Resume or eulogy? This year I've been talking with my students about whether they're living for their resumes or their eulogies. The analogy is not mine. I picked it up somewhere along the line. I'm not sure if I first heard that phrasing from author and columnist David Brooks, who has a TED Talk on the matter, or if I picked it up from some other source. It's a pretty widely used analogy at this point, but I like the imagery. So many things we do in life are resume things. Things we do because we're supposed to, because it's the thing that will lead to the next thing that will give us that thing we think we want. Resume things are fine and good. In school, resume achievements are good grades, memberships in clubs and committees, accolades for high achievement and extracurricular activities. These are all good things. They're the things we put on college applications and scholarship submissions. In life outside of academia, resume items are those things we might put on an actual resume. They're the experiences and achievements that help get us the next big job and allow us to add to our resume of life. That's the thing. There's the literal resume, and there's the figurative one. The list of things we mark and tally in the personal ledgers of our lives. It's the new car in the corner office, the big screen TV, three-stall garage, and the bank account balance. It's all those tangible things we fervently collect in a futile attempt to fill the voids in our lives. Or, maybe it's just recognition. Maybe it's the pats on the back, or the retweets, or the Facebook likes, or whatever we collect to make us feel significant. It's not that money, or cars, or homes are bad, and I'm not judging anyone's desire for recognition. We all need to feel significant in one way or another. It's just important to consider the things for which we're living. I have attended a good number of funerals. I have a large family, and I teach. That existence offers the opportunity for strong connections to a lot of people. Those connections lend themselves to the attendance of a great number of occasions, birthdays and weddings and the like. It also means a lot of funerals. I've attended funerals for men and women laid to rest after long, fulfilling lives, and I've attended the funerals of young people gone too soon. I've been to all these different funerals, and I've never heard a loved one stand up for the eulogy and say, well, she got an A in physics, or he had a really nice car, or boy, oh boy, could he climb the corporate ladder. No. The people who stand up at funerals don't speak about what the departed owned or did. They speak about how the deceased made them feel. That's what the eulogy is about. I don't know what people will say about me at my funeral, and it doesn't make much difference to me anyhow. I'll be gone, and funerals are for the living. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't care about my legacy. That's a tricky thing. I do hope those close to me will remember me fondly when I'm gone.
not because it is important to me to be remembered, but because my family and friends have filled my life with joy. I want to give back some small bit of that happiness they have given me. I'd like my name to be associated with the virtues I hold dear, not because I care for notoriety, but because my name was handed down to me from a long line of hard men and women who sacrificed so much for me to be where I am. I hope my children think well of me. They have filled my life with boundless love and purpose, and I want to offer them a similar feeling to whatever degree I am able. I want a proud legacy, not because I want people to say nice things at my funeral, but because I want to contribute to others. I want to create things that are bigger than my physical existence, things that are more than I am capable of being on my own. It's not about what people will say when I'm gone. It's about who I'll be when the bell tolls. When I talk with my students about living for our eulogies, I don't want them to focus on what others think of them. I want them to focus on who they want to be for themselves. The eulogy makes a nice image, but it's not really about what someone will say when we die. It's about who we will be while we're alive. A resume is what we do. A eulogy is who we are. I sat down to talk with my good friend and fellow educator Bryce Conway a little while back. And while talking about teaching philosophies, Bryce said something like, People won't always remember the things you do, but they will remember the way you made them feel. I've seen several variations of this quote attributed to different people. Most prominently, the notion seems to be credited to Maya Angelou. But I took it from Bryce Conway, and I've got no problem borrowing from better men. I've used that quote in class on numerous occasions this year as well. I believe the notion to be true, and it illustrates the real difference between the resume and the eulogy. Our resumes are just a collection of things we've done. Eulogies are the way we make people feel. For better or worse, the way we make people feel will be our legacy. I was at a funeral recently. As I sat in the church and listened to the heartfelt stories shared by friends and family, I couldn't help but reflect on my own life and wonder what my legacy might be. After the service, I went out to my jeep to drive to the burial site. As I got in the vehicle, I checked my phone. I had a text message from a student I taught ten years ago. The student sent a picture and a caption referencing some silly story I used to tell in class. I smiled and laughed and thought, Yeah, that seems about right. I learned a long time ago my legacy as a teacher wouldn't be a lesson I taught or a skill I coached. My legacy in education will probably be some random story or some little piece of advice. And I can live with that. Or rather, I can die with it. That's a eulogy thing. 
In my high school classes, I do something called self-authoring. Again, this is not my term or my concept. I took it from clinical psychologist, university professor, and author Jordan Peterson. We don't follow the specific self-authoring protocol designed by Dr. Peterson and his team. I take concepts and exercises from numerous people and places, but the base objective is the same. I try to get students to examine themselves, write and talk about their goals, their beliefs, their fears, and the like. The goal is to empower my students, to take a little break from those resume things and give some attention to the eulogy parts of our lives. This exercise has been very beneficial and rewarding for me, and I would like to think it provides some benefit for my students. If nothing else, it helps me get to know them and support them. When we initially talk about goals, most students identify resume things. Short-term goals are usually associated with grades or sports, and long-term goals typically focus on college and career. When we talk about fears, the most commonly identified are those associated with the future and social pressures. Students worry about getting good grades, getting into college, picking a major, and choosing the right career path for them. They worry about fitting in and meeting the expectations of others. Their goals and their fears are largely based on resume things. That makes sense. We put those pressures on them. We put those pressures on ourselves. We feel compelled to do all those things we're supposed to do, to fit social norms whether we agree with them or not. We define ourselves by titles and things. When we meet people, we exchange names and job titles. It's no wonder then that our children grow up concerned about what they'll do instead of who they'll be. Again, I'm not against accolades or acquisitions. I'm just concerned about what things define our lives. I'm interested in what drives us. We spend our lives gathering things, but we can't take them with us when we go. And all our things don't seem to be making us happier anyway. According to Mental Health America, 18% of all adults in America have a mental health condition, and 9.6 million Americans experience suicidal ideation. Of course, mental health is a complex issue well beyond my faculties, but when rates of severe youth depression continue to rise, and over 1.7 million young people in America with major depressive episodes don't receive treatment, I have to ask myself how to best serve my students. I have to consider the things we value and what we emphasize with our children. In schools and in life, we place so much emphasis on our resumes. But those things won't save us. A legacy isn't comprised of things. A legacy is the sum total of our contribution to others. It's our impact on those around us that will echo out into infinity. Those are eulogy things. And if we live for our eulogies, 
Our resumes will take care of themselves. Thank you.